You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Chad and Libby for sharing their story and, and, and really for letting us as a church family walk with them. It, it, it just throughout the process, getting to pray with them and talk with them and, and uh, how they leaned into their church family and how you guys leaned on them and just blessed them. And there were times that, that it was, can we, how do we get to the grocery store? And Creek people just showed up with groceries and, and uh, that's what family does. And, and uh, uh, it's incredible to see the testimony and to see the heart uh, and character that's come from from Chad and Libby through this process, and it's amazing how you know we can pray for things and pray for things, but God's always doing something bigger. And uh, and uh, I'm grateful that I'm a part of the church that will walk with people through whatever they're walking through. Um, I, we say this: you don't have to walk through anything by yourself unless you choose to. And I love that we've got a good family and a good connection. And, and, and we told you it was going to be, a, you needed your tissues ready. And so um, let me, I got to say something happy, you know, I mean, like puppy dogs and stuff. And I was like, oh, I know what I can tell you. Um, Alec had a beautiful speech prepared to grovel on his knees for the youth fundraiser for camp and raising money to get kids to camp. But he couldn't be here because something else came up. And so this is what came up. Um, Yeah, baby Elliot was born last night. He's happy, and Heather and I are going to get to go see them this afternoon and pray over the baby, and he is a proud papa now. And so I'm just going to, let me just, fair warning, fair warning. I'm warning you, I mean, from this point forward, anytime he's up here doing announcements or whatever, it's, it's all going to be about Elliot, okay? So you, some of you are going to be like, can we please stop hearing him? No, you're not. And so that's just the way it's going to be. And then on a, on a happy note, too, today is Heather and I's 23rd wedding anniversary. So um, I love you, baby. She said yes. I had to stalk her a little bit, but she said yes. And, but I still got her. And our, our deal with each other is if you leave, I'm going with you. That's just how we roll. And uh, so uh, also... Guys, if, or ladies, men, if you're not married yet, plan your dates accordingly because our wedding anniversary, the 18th of February, everything from Valentine's Day is on sale. <laughs> See, you've got to plan this right. So, because uh, <laughs> see, trying to get a reservation on Valentine's Day, good luck. After Valentine's Day, it's awesome. So I love it. I love you, baby. Looking forward to a whole lot more. And uh, so we've been in a series called uh, Storyline. And uh, what we're going through is the parables that Jesus taught um, throughout the book of Luke. We're kind of journeying through this book of Luke. And Jesus taught through parables on occasions. These will be stories to teach us a spiritual truth. And um, today we're going to look at two parables in Luke chapter 18. So if you've got your Bible Meet me there. If not, we, if you don't have a Bible, we keep some on the back table for you. And let me just, while you're going to there or getting a Bible, if you don't own one, we want you to own that. Let me give a shout out to a couple, couple groups, man. Um, our parking team is phenomenal. So thank you guys so much. Uh, last week, some, most of y'all weren't here last week, chickens, but... Um, <laughs> the whole rain, the, the ice storm of eight minutes. Um, 
It's great. But uh, our parkers were out there in the ice last week. They're out there in the fog and the, just the, this, the wet this morning. So thank you, parking team. I love y'all. I appreciate it. We've been adding some new parkers. And guys, if you have a heart for that, we will train you and we'll get you at a position. And we would love to get you engaged. And we just we have a place for you to minister at the creek. And so um, let me tell you how important parking is. Heather knows this. Heather has to balance me. If I have trouble with parking, I ain't going back. I mean, there are restaurants that she laments that I will not go to because I can't park there. And so, so that's just the way it is. And so uh, I know how important that is. So thank you guys for that. So Luke 18, Jesus is teaching us some stories, uh, some parables. And, and these are really, um, um, Jesus is going to teach us a good lesson from a bad example. The whole uh, thing that Jesus is going to teach us through is our approach to God, how we approach God. This really kind of gets into some of our, uh, the way we pray, um, but ultimately, how we approach God, and I think, uh, not I think, I know this morning, some of you are going to kind of get a reset on how you approach God. Uh, maybe you've been a Christian for a long time, and this, this parable we're going to teach from uh, really kind of sets some, some bad framework for a lot of us growing up on how we should pray and how we approach God. And I, I know that God's going to change um, some minds and hearts this morning and change how we approach him and how we view God and the way we interact with him. So uh, this is verse eight, or chapter 18. It says, And Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought always to pray and not lose heart. Always pray and not lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterward he said to himself, though I neither fear God nor respect man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not beat me down by her continual coming. So she will stop pestering me. In the Greek, it... it translates that she will not continue to give me a black eye. I mean, so I can just imagine this widow meeting the judge in the alley like, you're going to give me justice. I will get justice. But he says, I don't care about people and I don't respect God, but because I'm tired of hearing her come to me and this pestering on and on and on, I'm going to give her what she wants. And Jesus said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect, those whom he loves and has chosen, who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? Jesus is teaching us through this parable an example of how we approach God. And this is, a, this is an, an issue of contrasting, not Jesus comparing. A lot of times we'll hear Jesus say, the kingdom of heaven is like, and he will give us a comparison. Jesus is contrasting in this parable. Many times we have been in the mindset that, that we're like the widow, that, that it may be your, maybe the way you've heard this taught or maybe the way you've lived it out. Maybe you never heard it taught this way, but the way you've just lived it out is kind of how I pray and how I approach God is I'm, I'm, like, I'm like this widow. I'm poor. I don't have the ability to do this on my own. And I'm just going to keep asking God. I'm going to keep knocking on the door. I'm going to keep on until God gives me what I want. I'm going to keep breaking in. You and I are not like this widow. Let me, let me paint a picture in your mind's eye about what would be going on in this time, where the widow stands in, in, in this story. 
We think, of, we think of a judge and we think of the robe and we think of a courtroom with this ornate wood carving and the jury area and, and, and we have our ideas of what a courtroom looks like. Sadly, I know the inside of a courtroom too well from a jury duty. Let me, let me say it that way. <laughs> I've never been the defendant or the plaintiff. Uh, other, well, I've been the defendant in some class action lawsuits, you know, like, hey, you get 38 cents from this. Um, but I've been, I've been unfortunate enough to be selected for jury so many times in our marriage. You've gone like once and you got snowed out that time, but I've been on federal jury duty. I've been on city jury duty, county. Jury. I mean, what is it with, why can't I get those odds in, in other places of my life? You know what I mean? But anyway, I've, we think this, this courtroom scene, what, what this would look like in the first century in this context would be there would be a judge and he would have a circuit and that the courtroom would move around. It would be a tent that they would set up and tear down, set up and tear down. And the judge would roll into a village or a town. They would set up this tent and, and he would hear the cases. Now, the way the cases would be set would be on many occasions, someone would come to the judge and bribe the judge. They would pay the judge and say, I want you to hear my case and I'm, I, I'm, I'm helping you help me rule in my favor. So there was a payment that would have to be made. You could not have, be in the, in the tent or in the courtroom unless the judge had approved your business. And then you had to have someone advocate for you because as a widow, she had no husband that could advocate for her in court. Sadly, in this context of society, women were not equal. Women had no status. So she had no status to be able to go before the court and say, say I, I have an issue that I need justice on. She had no husband that could advocate for her, and she had no money that she could bribe the judge even into hearing her case in the first place. Too many of us think we're like this widow. And Jesus isn't saying we're like the widow. We have to understand, if Jesus is saying we're like the widow, then if we're going the comparison route, then we, have to, then we have to draw the dot that God is an unjust judge. And that's not the truth of the word of God. That's not the character of our father. That's not what Jesus is teaching us. You and I are not like the widow because we have an advocate. We have Jesus himself. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 tells us that we have this advocate before God who is righteous. And, and we then have the ability to come into the presence of God through Jesus Christ, through our advocate, that there's, there's no bribe that has to be done. The payment has been made in full with his blood. And that Jesus stands with us. Jesus gives us status before God. That you and I aren't just aren't just. A, a, a miserable widow that can't get justice. We have a status in the kingdom of God. We have, we have a, a standing with, with God through Christ Jesus. And Jesus is helping us understand this approach to God. He's not teaching us that, that if we pester God, he'll give us what we want. Too many times we think that, that I'm gonna ask God, I'm gonna ask God, I'm gonna ask God, I'm gonna ask God, and I'm gonna keep asking until, until he hears me. If that's our mentality, we, we think God's not concerned with us. God's just off and distant. And, and for a lot of people, there's a, a realization that, well, if he exists, why doesn't he hear me? And the truth is God hears us every time. God knows our needs before we even pray. And Jesus isn't teaching us to be this telemarketer of heaven and just going, I'm just gonna keep calling until God buys what I'm selling. 
Some of y'all know, some of y'all like to tell the marketers, uh, they, they always call it dinner time, right? My phone has started doing this thing that I love. It pops up on the screen and when a call's coming, it says telemarketer. Who's gonna answer that? Well, I do sometimes if I'm feeling frisky, you know, if I'm just like having one of those days, you know, cause like I would not wanna be a telemarketer. I mean, to get told no that many times, even when somebody says, yeah, I'll buy it. You're like, well, I, I don't know what to do now. I've heard no so much. But sometimes it's like, huh, telemarketer, how am I feeling? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> oh, I've got a deal for you. I just like messing with them because at least that's sprucing up their day. They're like, how was your day? Did you get any sales? No. But you know what? I did talk to this one guy, and he was the craziest conversation. I mean, sometimes I talk to him like they're my counselor, or I, I don't know. I mean, just, just have fun with it. But here's the thing, most of the time, most of the normal people in this room are gonna ignore that call every time. God's the same way. Oh, this is, they just want something. And it's not that God wants to hear what we want. He knows what we want. He knows what we need. He knows the desires of our heart. But what Jesus is teaching us is that we should have a, a prayer life instead of a prayer time. There shouldn't just be a time where we come and just bang on heaven and go, I, I want this, God. I need this, God. Do you see this? The widow's asking for justice. And justice is a good thing. God is a just God. And it's not saying that, it's not minimizing what we're asking for, but, but we've got to realize that, that, that you know, let's, let's do some self-diagnosis on, on our prayer time. Do we have a prayer life or a prayer time? Is there just that time of the day that we set aside and we just, it's kind of listing off the things we want from God. God, I want you to bless my family. God, I want you to keep my kids from making stupid decisions. God, can you help my boss get another job um, so I can get promoted? I mean, I'm, I see the prayer request of our, I'm just kidding, y'all. Those aren't your prayer requests. Maybe those are just some of mine from the past. And um, God, I, you know, can you help me make budget this month? You know, we just go through the list. And then, then we, we oh, okay, amen, oh, in Jesus' name, amen, because you said if I ask it in your name, you'll do it. And then we wonder why, why our spiritual life is so weak, because we've based our faith off of God doing our checklist. Well, he didn't answer it the way I wanted it to be answered, so my faith, I don't, that doesn't build my faith. I'm, I'm really struggling in my faith. I just don't know if God exists because I've been praying and praying and praying. I've been pounding on heaven's door and he hasn't answered it the way I want it to be answered. And, and we've got to think of our prayer life as much bigger than prayer time. Prayer time is, don't, I'm not minimizing prayer time. Prayer time is a vital element of a prayer life. And we're, we're called to have a constant prayer life. In, in Romans 12, 12, it says we're to be constant in prayer. We're to be, be, be rejoicing and, and be constant in prayer. In, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, tells us to pray without ceasing. Ephesians uh, 6, 18 says that we're to pray all times in the spirit. And so there's this idea, there's this theme of, of a constant prayer process. This doesn't mean that we neglect everything in life and just find a place and, and just we pray all the time. It doesn't mean I'm just constantly talking to God. Let, let me illustrate it this way. I, I love my wife more today than I did 23 years ago. I did not think it would be possible for me to love someone more than I did on that wedding day. But 23 years later, I love her more because she knows all of my faults and she still stays. 
and we, we've, we've grown together. We don't just finish each other's sentences. There are times where we say the exact same thing and, and we look at each other and go, look at that's a little creepy. But I, I love her and I have a desire to serve my wife. I want my life to be worthy of her respect and honor. And so even when I'm not speaking directly with her, my heart is tuned to her. That I want to be a husband that, that, that is attentive to her needs and that, that is the husband that God has called me to be. And I'm not, we're not speaking all the time. If, if I just came home from the office and said, Heather, hey, here's what I want you to do for me. And my love for you will be dependent on what you do for me. Here's the list, Go. I would not stand here today and say, I'm celebrating 23 years of marriage. I would have either been buried a long time ago or be I wouldn't even be standing here. A relationship isn't built off a list and my love is based on how well you do this list. A relationship is a depth of love. I love you because whether or not you can do anything for me, I love you. Our relationship with God is the same way. This prayer life with God is the same way. I'm not speaking to God 24 hours a day, but because I love God, I love him with every ounce of my guts and I know what he saved me from. I know who he is in my life and, and, and I can tell you my testimony and there's power in that, that I was blind and now I see. I was, I was dead, I'm alive. I, I was a wretch and God pulled me out of death and, and I know what he saved me from and I love him, not because of what he does in my life or what he can do in my life, but because of who he is in my life. And, and, and my heart is tuned to him. There's a devotion that I want my life to be lived for the honor of God. And so it begins to change my thought process. And I start to think on things that are holy. Paul said, these things that are holy, think on these. And I start to begin to think about that and think about, okay, how can I honor God in this? What, God, what are, you, what are you doing in this? Because I know what I've asked you to do, but what are you really doing in this? And I think what we've got to do is start to move into this prayer life because it starts to impact and affect our character. And to understand that we have, we have someone praying for us all the time, the Holy Spirit. He is part of the 20, Trinity. He is co-equal with God. He is God. And in Romans 8, 26 and 27 tells us that the, the Holy Spirit intercedes on our behalf day and night with, with groanings too deep for words that there's even times I don't know what to pray for and the Holy Spirit is going, I got you. Because all I'm praying for is, is the, the passage that Adam read earlier, Psalm 107, is the storm. I, I'm praying, God, I've narrowed the scope of my prayer to the storm. God, it's, it's rough. It's difficult. I need justice in this. I need healing in this. I need help in this, God. I need some peace in this. And the Holy Spirit is going, I'm praying for you at a level you can't even understand. Because while you're praying for this, I'm praying for this. That I'm praying not just for your storm, because I'm hearing you in the storm. What I'm praying for is those people in the safe harbor that need to hear about your storm, that need to hear about what the Holy Spirit brought you through, about the peace that came in the midst of turmoil, about, about the, the suffering you were enduring, and God brought an ability and a patience in that, and the redemption that comes through that. There are people that need to hear your story, and your story is bigger than your prayer request. And we've got to understand that God's always working. If, 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 if we really believe the power of God and the word of God, 
then we would understand the promises and that he is never at rest. And I know, I'm gonna go the flip side of this. I know there are things you're praying for that aren't getting answered, that you think aren't getting answered. Me too. But here's, here's the challenge. We have to understand that God is always moving. God is always working. When God delays the answer to my prayer, it's not because of his inactivity. It's because he's preparing me for the answer. Many of us never get to the answer because we won't allow him to prepare us. We give up and walk away. See, I have to believe. If God's not working in this, and God's not working for, for our good and his glory, we can't have Romans 8, 28 in scripture. And we love this verse. We love the first half of this verse. It says, we know that those who love God, God is working all things together for good. We love that part of the verse. We like that on coffee cups. We like that on bumper stickers. We like that on t-shirts. And we even changed that. I know that God works all things together for the good of those who loves him. Praise the Lord. There's a comma there that says, for those who are called according to whose purpose? His purpose. How many of us spend our time praying for our purpose? That's where we begin to shift our approach to God. Because see, if I'm praying for my purpose, then it's all about you answering my prayer the way I want it answered. But if I'm praying for his purpose, it becomes God change my heart and transform my heart so that I can be prepared to, to walk in the answer that you have provided. I mean, you, you go back to Chad and Libby. She said, I, we prayed. We prayed for healing. And, I, and man, the elders, we, we, we prayed. We anointed her with oil. We prayed for healing. And we believe in supernatural healings. And we also believe that God is a God of order and process and however he chooses to do it. We were praying for healing. And there were times that, that we were like, I know, I know this scan's gonna come back clear. And it didn't. But Libby's faith challenged me because she said, obviously God has something to teach me and someone else through me going through this a little bit longer. How many of us will let God develop that kind of character in us to say, I want my heart prepared to receive your answer because I know that your answer works together for my good and your glory. It changes our approach to God because we know he always hears us. So Jesus has set our, our, our mind and our idea about how we can approach God but then he gives us a warning on how that approach happens. Verse nine, Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that thought they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So Luke is a physician, very compassionate physician, writes this gospel, and he gives us a clear indicator of who the audience is. Jesus is speaking this parable. He's not just broadcasting it out. He is speaking this to those who are self-righteous, who are looking down their nose at other people. And this happens in the church. He says this, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, 
or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. So what's happening here is Jesus is setting up the story and I, is, is you've got this Pharisee. A Pharisee was a religious leader, someone who, who found their righteousness and how well they could follow the rules and, and, and ultimately that leads into a self-righteous attitude. If we think we're good enough to follow all the rules then we're gonna become prideful and self-righteous and he's standing there in his pride at the front of the temple going, God, I thank you. I'm not like these other people here. I mean, that's... Let's bring it into the modern day context. I thank you that I'm not like everyone else in this church, God, that I fast twice a week. I walk by the giving station. I give 10% of everything I made that week. And God, I'm just grateful. I'm not like those people walking in the front door. God, when you picked me, you got a winner. You got a first round draft pick, God. You're welcome. If, you, if somebody were bold enough to pray, of course, I have the spiritual gift of cynicism and sarcasm, and I will make fun of you. You just, you just put a big target on your forehead. I will make fun of you. I'll make fun of you to your face, behind your back. It's going to be fun. But if somebody were to come up and pray that, I am going to step aside because we don't have a lightning rod on this building. I mean, God's like, look, I'm just going to take you out right now. This Pharisee was not praying this Pharisee was talking to himself about himself. And this attitude still exists in the church today. Many of you have left other churches because of this attitude. The creek isn't immune to it. And let me, let me caution you. I have no tolerance for that kind of attitude. How does it play out? You may not walk up and go, I'm better than all these people, but there's a lot of the, the little conversations that you begin to have and if, if you're one of these, I'm praying for freedom in your life because this is a deadly condition to your faith. This is a 911 call to your faith. If you look at other people with contempt to think you're better than they are or they don't belong in the house of God because of the junk they carry in, then maybe the problem is you. This Pharisee could see everybody else's sin but could not recognize his sin. Let me tell you something. I, and it plays out like, did you see what she was wearing? Let me tell you my, my policy at the creek. Just wear clothes. Cover the vitals. Okay? We don't have, there's no, no hat policy and all this. Yeah, I'm not going to wear a suit. I just want you in here to hear the word of God. Because I know this. It's what Jesus does that sets us free. I don't need you to tell me about my sin. Now, if I'm walking in an error, then I'm asking you who love me, not who are judging me, who love me to rebuke me. I'm inviting that. But if you're coming just to condemn me, get out of my face. Because the word of God says there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not condoning my sin. I'm not condoning your sin, but don't condemn the sinner either. How about we love them? and let the kindness of God bring them to, to conviction and to repentance? How about we revolutionize the uh, society and the world's view of the church where we're not judging people by their sin, but we're loving them in spite of it and letting God, letting God set them free from it? Because here's what, here's what happens. The, the tax collector, the dredge of society, 
is the one standing in the back corner and he wouldn't look up to heaven, Jesus says. He would not even lift his eyes, but he was beating his breast. And this is all he was saying, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. I don't need everybody telling me. I know it. I recognize it. And I'm asking you to help me. I've tried everything else and it's just left me empty. I'm asking you for grace, God. I'm asking you to save this wretch. I know my condition. See, see what Jesus is teaching us is that, that when we approach God with humility and honesty, then, then we're gonna come away justified because Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. The tax collector, the one that you are looking down on is the one who went home justified. Justified is a righteous term or a legal term that means righteous before God. He, was, he left there in right standing with God. Why? Because he was honest and he was humble. Jesus said, I tell you, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. God cannot stand pride. We've got to come in, in humility and honesty. When we think we're, 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 we've got it together, pride can creep in. And there's, there's this danger we get into, the pride of performance. I'm doing the list, God. I've taken Christianity and I've taken the relationship out of it and I've made it a checklist and I'm doing the checklist, God. And, and why aren't you blessing me? Why aren't you honoring me? Why aren't you answering my prayer? I can't tell you how many times we get into this mindset. I'm doing everything you ask me, God. And I can tell you this because I've been there going through incredibly dark situations and pain in my family and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and praying. And then all of a sudden I get into this attitude where I think, God, I've been obedient. I know I'm not perfect, but I've been obedient to everything you've said. Why are you not moving on this? And then I said these dangerous words, you owe me. There's a difference in being humbled and walking in humility. In that moment, God humbled me. He said, son, I don't owe you anything. If you read my word, you know my word says I will owe no man anything. I don't owe you anything. And the humbling came when he says, were you doing all those things? Were you acting in obedience to get what you want from me? Or were you being obedient because you want to honor me out of the love for our relationship? God humbled me in that moment. But there's a difference in being humbled. Being humbled is an event, and walking in humility is a constant choice. Because I know people who've been humbled and they're doing everything they can to get back to what they were before, and it gets back into that pride. And you know what's happening? God's gonna humble you again. James 4, 6 tells us that God opposes the proud. That means this, that God just doesn't go, I'm not hearing you, kid. I'm tuning out the tantrum. That means God says, I am setting myself against you. You want to come at me on the offense with pride, you will not break my defense. 
I've set myself against you. And, and let me tell you how that ends. It ends with a humbling. But you gotta make the decision, I'm gonna walk in humility. And we gotta get honest about this, guys. It's so exhausting trying to carry a false identity. God sees it anyway. God knows it. And you know what? He still loves you. And he still wants to bring you into repentance. And he still wants to bring you into righteousness. He still wants to bring you into holiness. He still wants you to grow up. But when we can get honest with ourselves before God, there's something freeing that happens in that. We're not trying to maintain a dual life. And there's something that happens when we can get honest in the context of community, of relationship, that when I share, hey, this is what's really going on with Matt, and I'm not cast out. And people say, I'm gonna walk with you. I'm gonna gonna help you. I'm gonna be with you. That's family. That's what God calls us to be set in as a church, as a family that walks with each other, that doesn't say, oh, I don't like your behavior, so you need to find somewhere else to go. No, it says you're family, and I'm gonna love you, and I'm gonna let God draw you in, and I'm gonna walk with you, I'm gonna pray with you, I'm gonna cry with you, I'm gonna hurt with you, I'm with you. And we gotta get honest about this. And then Jesus, it's, it's beautiful, he finishes up these two parables Because he says, now they were bringing even infants to him that Jesus might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. They rebuked the parents. So Jesus don't need to see your kids because kids weren't people, they were property in this context. Don't bother Jesus with your kids. And Jesus, he rebukes them. He says, wait, wait, wait. You're taking on the same attitude as the Pharisee. It's not up to you to determine who's in or out of my grace or who can or can't approach me. That's not your role. Your role, let them come to me. Get them to me. Bring them to me. And do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So there's something beautiful about our approach to God. It needs to be like a child. Because when we walk in honesty and humility, it moves our faith from childish to childlike. A childish faith is very selfish. It's mine, God, you owe me, I want it, I want it, it's me. And this tax collector had a childlike faith. Childish is the Pharisee. Don't you see how good I am? You owe me, I need a reward. Give me a reward for my good behavior. God, give me my gold star. God, give me this. The Pharisee is coming in childlike faith going, I'm a sinner and I'm coming to the place where I know I can get mercy and I believe that I will receive mercy. Have you never noticed just the faith of a child, the way they believe? I mean, look at their imagination. It's a shame that as we grow up, our imagination tends to shrink. But that wonder and awe of a child, it's what you and I are called to in our faith. That even as we grow up in our faith, as we mature in our faith, we're still called to keep that childlike wonder and awe that God is big, that God is good, 
that God is faithful, that God is, is our provider. He is everything we need. And, and even amongst the imaginations that we can have, God can do more than ever we could ask or imagine, Ephesians 3.20 tells us. We walk in that honor and that wonder and that awe of dad that we have an ability to come to him in any and every situation freely, with confidence, with honesty and humility, and he loves us. And many of us need a revelation and a revolution in our prayer life. And today you can go from a prayer time to a prayer life. You can go from the list to relationship. Jesus paved the way for that to happen. All you gotta do is be honest with him about it and humble yourself before him. None of us bring anything good into the kingdom of God. The goodness comes because his grace and mercy forgives us and brings us into a relationship. And Jesus offers that today. But I wanna challenge you. Instead of praying through the list, pray for the character in the heart. Let me give you an example. That prayer wall represents... Many prayer requests for salvation. God, save my brother, save my sister, my mother, my father, my wife, my, 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 my husband, my kids. Salvations are represented. And can I tell you God's heart towards salvation? When we pray, God, I wanna see this person saved, God says, yes, me too. I'm all for salvation. I desire that none perish, but all come to repentance. Can I challenge you to broaden your scope? God, prepare my heart to be a part of that answer. Because maybe God is saying, yes, I want them saved and they're gonna get saved when you go talk to them. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we thank you that, that we know you hear our prayer. Every time we pray, you hear our prayer. And we don't have to come to you with repetitious words and, and babbling. Jesus, you said the, the Pharisees do that and that's just not getting us anywhere. But we come to you with a humble an honest heart asking for your mercy and your grace your hope and your forgiveness God we're asking you to restore us in relationship we're asking you to, to bring new life this morning that, that somebody's testimony begins today because they just brought everything in to you and said, Jesus, have mercy on me. Forgive me. And you allow them to go home today justified. God, I pray for every one of us. God, I just, I pray for me. I pray that you change my heart, oh God. So that instead of asking you for the things that I want in my time and my perspective and my purpose, that God, you change my heart and shape my character so that I can be prepared to receive the answers to the prayers in your purpose. To see beyond storms to safe harbors. To see beyond prayer requests to baptisms. We love you. We thank you that you desire a relationship with us. And all that happens through the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. 
We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at